Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey guys, this is Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week we are just catching up, we're going to answer a few questions, just kind of getting back into the role of it after yeah. we've been a little hit and miss the last little bit. We've been a little busy. A lot, going, a lot on. going on. So today's Pantry Chat is going to be a little Wiley Wednesday. We're going to Talk about some stuff that's been going on with us, answer a few questions. It's Wiley Wednesday. Yeah, I had to come up with something. Because you know, <laughs> was, uh, I had one for Friday, but these don't come out on Fridays. No. They come out on Wednesdays. Wiley we Wednesday. Them on Wednesdays. So I it's like Wiley it. Wednesday. Uh, anyways, yeah, there is a lot going on. So we're going to definitely be answering some of your questions. And um, yeah, just chatting about what's going on here because it is like crazy time. And maybe it's always crazy time. It really has been. But good stuff. Lot, good, lots good, of really good, good stuff. Good, crazy. But I think before we even start, those of you guys who are listening by podcast might be hearing in the background, and you're going to see us start wiggling a little bit if you're watching. And that's because we are sitting in front of the second fire of the season. We had our first hard frost this morning. Mm. at least down in the bottom part of the property. Mm-hmm. So the yep. kids' gardens are down there. We're kind of still waiting for the sun to really come out yeah, and see. We watered there. as soon as, you know, before the sun hit it. So we'll see what we saved. But it was a pretty hard frost. You guys know that trick, right? I know we've talked about it here, but if you're, you know, a new listener, new, and you you have a garden and, and you're transitioning from summer to fall, and we often get these frosts, and they're, they're kind of just one here and there. And they can kill your plants, but it's not necessarily the end of the gardening season. And so... If you get a frost and even a light freeze, I've had this work actually for hard freezes on small plants, but even a light freeze, um, water, overhead water somehow, your plants before the sun hits them and it will save your garden. And in our area, sometimes it gives us another month, another four weeks. It can. And that is huge. So anyways, nice tip. We did that this morning. We haven't been out yet to see how it went. I think it was just the lower garden, the kids' gardens down lower. I think up above, we were just above it. So um, we'll see. Yeah, hopefully. But we're sitting in front of the fire, and it might it, get a little warm. It's already time. toasty. <laughs> Somebody tell us. If the, yeah, if we start, start smoking, smoking, you know. <laughs> fire does feel good, though. There's nothing the kids were saying this morning. Oh, there's nothing like a wood fire. Mm-hmm. It just makes you feel good. Absolutely. Well, there is a lot going on behind the scenes. So before we jump into answering any questions, what have you been up to? (laughs) Wow, what have I been up to? Well, as a lot of you know, and we won't keep talking about this forever, but it's a big moment in our life. We just launched the School of Traditional Skills. This is actually a couple weeks ago now by the time you get this, but it's the first pantry chat we've done. Mm -hmm. And honestly, just um, recovering from that and finding a new normal. A lot of you that have been tracking along, have been traveling, working with all of our instructors in the school, 
filming, producing these wonderful classes, and then getting ready for the summit that we had. And that was fantastic. That was a lot of fun. I know there was a whole lot of you there and a whole lot of you are now in the new school. And so glad that you joined up with us on that and became a founding member. Um, and hey, we're going to be talking soon. So keep your eyes on your emails for that if you are a founding member, because we're going to be talking about what classes in the school are next and what kind of features do you want next. So just a little note there. But um, yeah, just kind of kind of getting past that, getting rested up six hours a day live for four days in a row, wore me out. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine that. That's a lot of hard work. But, but so if we fun. look a little tired today, that you'll know what's going yeah, on. Yeah. But And that's with, we're in fall harvest and uh, getting ready to get all our firewood in and the homestead keeps going. We're, we've got barn addition that we're trying to get our hay under roof and there's just a lot happening and, and, but that's good. It's all good stuff and winter will come, weather will come and uh, we'll slow down and uh, it's probably a good thing. It's time for a little bit of a slowdown. I think it's good. Yeah. God's way of just saying you need a little extra rest, need to take it easy. I am thankful. My energy is coming back up, getting out of the first trimester of pregnancy. I'm solidly into my second trimester now. And so I'm starting to feel a little more energetic, but, um, but you know, when you're already tired and you're already a little low from something like a first trimester of pregnancy, um, and then you have so much going on, it starts feeling hard to keep up. So I'm happy for the slowdown. Now, there's another thing that we did a couple weeks ago that I wanted to share with you guys because we have not even talked about it yet. And that is we had our big butchering day, our big chicken, our chicken butchering, butchering day. day. Yeah, we did what we we came up with it was just shy of 200, 200 chickens. chickens. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I I had this moment where I let me let me think of how do we explain this. We raised about 150 chickens for mm-hmm. ourselves. And then our son raised about 50 to sell. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's starting a little farm business. He is. And he sold right out of all his chickens yeah. just immediately, just yep. about when he announced them long before we came to butchering. And so, you know, we were helping out and just put the ones that he was selling into the process along with the ones we were doing for the family. And so we're going along, we're doing it the way we do it. And we get all these things packaged up. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I realized we just put heads and feet of chickens in all of the chickens <laughs> that he had sold to people. And so, you know, some of you guys I know would get really excited about that, like getting the heads and the feet, but that's, that's what we for, do for, for us. Good, nutritious broth. You don't mm-hmm. want those things. You really do. I just so many nutrients in there and one of the things we've been slowly working it's a slow process but we've been working at doing is using more and more of the animal Mm -hmm. all the time and so this year the more of the animal step was including the heads in there and i mean the whole heads like neck and up everything's there and and i know this freaks some of you guys out but it's not freaky sally fallon nursing traditions who you know as an instructor at our school has actually got me thinking about it because she did it in the class and i was like well i never even thought of putting the heads in there and she's like oh yeah this is is great collagen source that's why you're throwing it away actually the heads have a lot of gelatin in it gelatin also which helps um which the feet have a a lot of the collagen also and Mm. the gelatin so those two make this wonderful addition to your broth of these other things and so it adds things that you're not going to get in other ways and you know it it, you know these things sometimes maybe freak some of you out but you guys just got to realize something 
our perspective, our modern perspective of not using things like that in a human context is the abnormality. That's we're the ones that are abnormal because we're freaked out about not using some of these things. Right. The human context, uh, you, they've had, we've had to make use of everything and good use, and and God made it so that there's you can use just about everything. Right. Uh, well, so it's really not that freaky. It's, it's a it's a mind <laughs> shift for some of us that we need to make. It's actually good stewardship, and it's creating good nutrition and health. Well, we had to make sure that as uh, Connor's chicken customers we didn't, came, we didn't give them a warning. And we didn't think about up it. Their chickens. We gave them full warning. There is a head inside the cavity of every one of these <laughs> birds, and um, and I'm sorry if that disturbs you. So just know that if you ever you know buy chickens from our son here on Riverbend Riverbend Pasture Chickens, right? Riverbend Pastures. Then yeah. um, you you get all of the goodies. It's it's well, special. that's and, and that's yes, <laughs> you get all the goodies because we want to spread the love. Absolutely. And the flavor. So there's a few other things that I wanted to share coming from the farm. And that is some of you guys have been following along as we got our new Cotswolds this mm-hmm. last fall. And the first of my Cotswolds wool and some of it's blended with my last Icelandic wool just came back from the wool mill as yarn. And I'm very excited. This is actually a blend of um, Icelandic and Cotswold. And this is all Cotswold. Look at that dark color. Isn't that wonderful? I'm so excited about this. And And just because people are going to ask, it's not dark because it's Cotswold. You have some Cotswold that's also light. Right, exactly. And it's not dyed. This is all natural fiber Mm -hmm. color, which is really exciting. So it can be dyed. But I got four big bags of different types. I'm only showing you two because that's all I got into just now, but um, four big bags of different types of yarns. And I'm so excited to have them. I'm excited to work with them this winter, but I'm really excited because we're, I'm not making any promises on when this is going to happen, but we are looking at starting to sell a few of the farm products. We are. And I think um, definitely there are some thoughts of, you know, some sort of online store as a part of things. Uh Um, It's going to start slow, but it's coming. And we are looking at a storefront, a physical storefront. A very small little one to start. Because of the school and homesteading family, we're needing a little space. And we're realizing that, you know, we have a little space in town now. And that that may be a good spot for a storefront for a few things. Yeah. Which, like your wool. Right. So the yarn, maybe some soaps. We'll see. We'll see what comes yeah, out of it. We'll see what time. we stick in there. But um, but that's kind of fun because that's a new fun part of the venture. So next, my next step is labels, which is going to be really fun. I really like working with labels and things like that. So that'll be a fun next step and getting to use it myself and play with it. So I'm excited about that. I really like knitting. I'm not very good at it, but I really do enjoy oh, it. And I'm getting better at it. She's better at it than she's telling you. <laughs> she's made us some great beanies. You've got some, you don't have your gloves out. You've got these no. wonderful, uh, um, you know, what are the those? fingerless, fingerless mittens, mittens yeah. she's yeah. made. And, and you're I, I do enjoy it a lot. I get limited amounts of time to actually play with it. But I look forward to winter every year so I can sit by the fire and knit because that's one of my favorite things to do. And now I have my own yarn to knit with. That's just cool. Yay. Yay. Exciting beanie. 
What else are you doing around here? There's a lot going on around here, and this is a great time just to do kind of a big catch-up on all the stuff that's happening. Or yeah, well, you know, it's I'm more managing. Um, we've got Barn Edition is the big project right now. We're trying to get a roof on before winter, so we're working on that. Tristan's leading the way on that with a couple people, and and. Um, you just can't have enough roof space here in, in North Idaho. Um, you know, a lot of equipment, a lot of stuff, a lot of fencing, just so much stuff and, and feed and everything we have to feed for, you know, sometimes six months, five to six months out of the year. You need to place store, all that stuff. And um, so that's the biggie doing it ourselves. We got a bid on it earlier this year. It was so busy. It was like, well, maybe I can hire this out and everything was so expensive. It was like, nope, We'll we'll do it ourselves. It'll take a little bit longer, and we'll probably be probably putting the final screws in when the snow is flying. <laughs> but uh, we will get it done for a lot less. And um, so that's that's like the biggie on the farm right now. But so, oh hey, well you know what the retaining wall got done, and we've got some fruit trees. That's going to be a new area for um, a perennial area. It already has a few fruit trees in it. We're going to put new fruit trees. We're going to move our raspberries out of the main crop garden get mm-hmm. it kind of get our, our perennial little food foresty thing going and and um so we're getting wood shaving spread on that that's what i was doing this morning because yes. i don't like to leave bare earth i don't want to leave it over the winter so those wood shavings are great and gonna probably get some more wine caps you've talked about that a little bit yeah. where, where we um started First inoculating <laughs> our our walkways or one walkway in our garden and it's just done phenomenally well like i keep them amazed and they keep coming these are the mushrooms. For those yeah. of you guys who don't know, we've we've inoculated the shavings in the, um, or the wood chips, or the shavings in the uh, walkways of the garden rows with these wine cap mushrooms. Mm-hmm. King Strophoria yep. is the other name for them. And uh, we have been harvesting wonderful mushrooms oh, and yeah, eating them. I've been throwing them in all sorts them, of stuff. freeze drying them, dehydrating, dehydrating them. them. We're doing all sorts of things that we've never done our own mushrooms. So this is a really exciting moment of like, oh, look at this new thing that we have that we get to really enjoy. And it's one of these areas where, again, you're getting you're getting um, more benefits, not just a food source. This is actually improving the soil. It's actually building soil. And so like, we're going to do this around the fruit trees and where I'm putting these shavings down and it helps build soil because it will convert, especially these wine caps are very powerful. They'll convert the wood shavings into soil. And they'll turn them. And I, I know a guy up here that that's how he, he developed his topsoil because it was so bad. It was wood shavings and King Strophoria. And once it gets going, it just really breaks that down. So anyways, excited to be doing that, spreading the shavings this morning, just starting and uh, getting that going for the perennial area. I probably mentioned this last time we talk, talked about it. But the one one thing about this that makes me really excited is we didn't dig up any more garden space there's no like they lost garden space this year we lost yeah we lost but i mean for the mushrooms oh right yeah we're just doing it in the walkway so we're stacking that function in the same place so i know a lot of you guys are dealing with constricted space and you know really the more creative you get i think they found i don't know there there's numbers associated but you can just keep getting more and more intensive in one space in your gardening, stacking more and more function as you start using different elements of it, you know, from vertical growing to, you know, intercropping to doing all these different stacked layers mm-hmm. and things like this. And now we're growing mushrooms in the walkways 
um, which they go to the edge. They don't go where you walk. So you do still get your walkway, but they come up right on the edges there. Where the where the walkway, the, the wood shaving walkway meets the bed, meets, meets the soil, the, is yeah. where, where they come up, which is a great space. That's called an edge in permaculture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and edges are always very productive. And I'm I'm glad you 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 bring that point up because the theory in permaculture, and it, it's a theory, but that there is no limit to productivity. Yeah. When you increase health, when you increase abundance, there when you increase the ecology productivity goes up and you may have a quick rise, right? but then it's, it can always continue to rise. That's the theory that you're mentioning. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that, you know, to, to play true. And I think just from a creative perspective and the way God made the world, that that's a very reasonable theory. So it's, right. it's fun to live it out and play with See it. See it happening. Yeah. It's very exciting. It really so. is. What about you? What other, um, you know, what other things? I think you've got some things going on in the membership that are new. Oh, yeah. What are some other things that you have That's exciting. We're just about to start a soap challenge. I've actually created a whole little soap making class for cold processed soap. So we're actually working with fats and lies and turning them, you know, turning it into soap. And it's going to be a lot of fun because we're covering dish soap for your dishes. We're covering laundry soap. We're covering shampoo bars, gentle skin soap. We're covering exfoliant soaps. We're covering a shaving bar, which replaces a shaving cream. So, you know, we're covering a lot of things that are very, very functional as far as the household. And that makes it a lot of fun. So, we're, um, we're just about to kick out a challenge where we're doing it all together inside the community of the membership. So we weren't really going to open the membership. We didn't really have plans to open the membership. But I know that there's a lot of people who are like, well, I want to I want to do that. So um, check out the links in the description. We'll 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 do a special little opening in case any of you guys are not in the membership and you want to jump in in time, but you have to do it right away because we we're already getting started. It's a soap so celebration. It's a, it's a sudsy celebration. Yeah. It's very <laughs> good. <soap> celebration. <laughs> so that's going to be a lot of fun. Let's see what else we've got. Um, I'm a little late this year because of not feeling well all mm-hmm. summer and then going right into the school of traditional skills, getting the, the grand opening the of that going, yeah. and the summit. But I do this year, I finally got enough row covers to cover an entire terrace row um, for greens. And so we have a lot of very baby greens coming up and they're covered. So I'm, I'm kind of crossing my fingers. I'm gambling a little bit this year because late, they but... really should have gone in the beginning of August mm-hmm. and they really got in closer to the beginning of September. But, you know, I always say when you're, you're extending the garden season, even if you're getting to kind of pushing, it, it's a, it's a gamble. Yes. But what do you lose if you lose? You lose a little bit of time and some seeds. And so it's totally worth it because sometimes you do win. You know, sometimes you do get a full harvest of a fall of lots of greens. And that's that's a good benefit. So I count those costs and say, hey, it's worth it even if I lose them all and they don't do anything. But the chances are I'll probably get some good greens out of that. Well, and with the food costs right now, you know, season extension in the garden is really worthwhile right. really, really really valuable yeah. even if you know you push it and you lose a few seeds you know if you've done a little bit of that succession planting right which you've done some i know this year hasn't been ideal but but if you're doing that succession planting and planting every week or so and right. you just push it right through the season yeah you might have a few things in the end don't turn up but you've had a more abundant harvest yeah and um that's 
not only going to be good food, but it's going to save on the grocery bill a little bit. And we can all use that's, that. Right that's now. a good thing. You know, I just went to our local bulk store where I always buy big bags. I buy, you know, lots of things in bulk. You guys probably know that, but this is the only place I can get a big bag of brown sugar. Those are not easy to get for hmm. some reason. And so, you know, every however many months I go get another big brown, big bag of brown sugar is about 25 pounds. And the whole time that we have lived in this area, that brown sugar has cost somewhere between $28 and $32 for 25 pound bag. So the kids told me the other day, the bucket's getting empty. We're going to need brown sugar soon. So I went down and got it the exact same bag from the exact same place. And we know the people who own the store, they just have their standard markup. So they're not, you know, price gouging or anything like that. It was $52 yeah. for that same bag. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that just goes, wow, we're, we're all feeling it. And so get some seeds. In. And, and you guys, <laughs> you know, you know us, we're not about doom and gloom. I mean, the, the, there's problems. We know that we're talking about them, but we're talking more about the solutions, but it's this is going to keep going and you know i don't think we can stress enough our feeling and our belief to um keep being prepared for that that mm -hmm. this is not going away in the near term you know three five years who knows um but um we need to be mentally shifting and continually adjusting there's a lot of evidence that's going to get worse this fall and into the winter and so want to keep taking your steps building your skills building your supplies and just keep living it. And if you think the prices are high now, and I know I've heard from a couple people who are like, oh, I don't want to stock up now. The prices are so high. Yeah, be careful with that. Totally get it. Totally they get are it. High. We're, yeah, right. we're having to do some of that and bite the bullet where, you know, gosh, I wish I would have bought this six months ago. Absolutely. But better now, you know, than later. And I think that's the point. A lot of us have that tendency. Well, we'll wait till the cycle comes back around. And a lot of these things are annual cycles and there's some up and downs and you can do that. We're not in a normal economy. We're not what we've known as normal. Um, and I just, yeah, yeah. Keep stocking up, bite the bullet, do what you can. And even if you got to do it incrementally and keep going, you at least you do a little something now and you, you, you spread that price out over a time, even if it does keep going up. And if it comes down, great. You'll keep buying then and take advantage of that, and 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 you'll you know amortize those costs on whatever it is you're buying. Right. But, but yeah, I I would not bank on just waiting till next year. Um, I think it's gonna Me be, too. I think it's going to be worse personally. <laughs> well, we'll see what yeah. happens, but it's always good to have a pantry full of food and and uh, be able to weather the storm that way, huh? Yep. <laughs> Good. Well, let's dive into just a couple of questions sure. before we to... um, before we have sat and we kind of chatted for a nice long time here. And it's good to catch up with you guys. We are hoping to get back to a normal routine here, a little bit more normal schedule. So that's, that's yeah. Good. Yep. Yep. Get you back and I back on regularly. And, and uh, uh, maybe we've been doing more guests. So hopefully we'll continue to sprinkle those in. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, good. Okay. Well, I'm just going to go right to the top of the list here. And let me just say on this last topic before you start, and that is if you guys have any requests for topics or things that you're wondering about or would like us to address or talk 
about on mm -hmm. the pantry chat, Absolutely. please put it in the comments. That helps us to know um, what you guys want to hear and what you're interested in, what you're thinking about, so that we can speak to those things yeah. too. We want to just we can sit here and talk and ramble all day. <laughs> <laughs> we want to bring you value. <laughs> okay, Beverly Moss on homemade dream cheese. How long will this keep if not refrigerated and just kept in the kitchen cupboard? A long time. I don't know. They After a really long time. So for those of you guys who don't know, the homemade dream cheese is a type of a cheese. It's a cultured cheese that you uh, don't need a press for or anything like that. It's often made with either yogurt or clabbered milk. So it's a wild culture or a ferment. Um, and then after you get it nice and dry and well fermented, you can pack it into little balls and put it in uh, a seasoned olive oil or oil and sit it in the cabinet. So the real concern on all of this is that at some point your oil is going to go rancid. That's probably the first thing that's going to happen. And right. so just your nose is going to tell you that every time. So just smell it first. And if it starts getting a little old smelling, then, you know, use it up and be done with it. Um, the other thing that can happen with the dream cheese is that it starts losing its texture as it sits for too long. And the, the nice firm little balls of dream cheese will fall apart. So they'll still be there and they'll still be edible. You may have to like strain them out though, in order to get mm. them out and use okay. the little bits of it. A little crumbly. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's see. This one's for me. Sharon King on our farm watering system. Can you tell me what the white post topper is and its purpose? Yeah. Um, well, I'm not sure. I was only two things I can think about on our farm. And one is the T posts themselves. They're all the top six, eight inches is painted white on all the T posts. That's the way they come. That's gosh, the way I always remember them coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that has more to do with just lining up the top of the fence and you have a little bit of extra. So it's a visual. So if that's what you're seeing, um, Sharon, that's just the paint on the post. And that's from Everything I can think of, that's normal on most T-posts. Um, but we do have, in a few areas, uh, white caps that are sprinkler caps. They're meant, they're meant to mount on the top of a T-post, and they run a regular rotating overhead sprinkler that you connect a hose to. So that's the only other thing I can think of. Those are real handy um, for setting overhead sprinkler. We're using them out here on our terraces. We can cast the water out far and, and cover a lot of ground that way by mounting that, that sprinkler head up higher instead of down on the ground. We, we can get over some shorter things. Um, so those are the only two things I can think about that would be a, um, a post topper that we have anyways, or that I can even think of. You know, you have some different electrical fence stuff, you know, that could look like that too, but that's kind of what comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, Renee Scott on Preserve Your Herbs in Salt. Can I do mint and sugar? Ah, so like replace the salt with sugar. Um, possibly. That is a very, very different thing because sugar dissolves. Uh, salt does not by itself. You're not going to dissolve salt, but sugar, if it, it's very easy, you know, like when you put sugar over a little bit of fruit and the whole thing turns into syrup. Um, that wouldn't happen if you put salt over fruit, right? It's not going to just totally turn into a syrup. It's going to stay salt. Um, it, the sugar, though, you could flavor your sugar. You would not be preserving 
the mint because you couldn't do it as high of a concentration of herb as you could in the salt. So you could tuck a few mint leaves into sugar and let it sit for a while. In fact, we do that with vanilla beans and it's very good. You make a vanilla sugar by doing that. Just tuck a few vanilla beans into your little canister of sugar and let it sit for two weeks. And it's amazing. You get vanilla sugar. You could do that with a peppermint, but you would be only using a very small handful because you don't want to overintroduce that moisture, which is then going to encourage a fungal growth or a mold in there. So a little different than using the salt, but you could kind of do the same thing. Yeah. Good. Um, Jay Taylor on how she makes all her dairy in two hours. Hello. Will you be teaching a masterclass this year? Dairy. Uh, dairy. I have taught a masterclass. Carolyn has there. one. It's on her website. Um, I, I'm wondering if you're meaning a live training on dairy and I couldn't, I can't tell you offhand if I have one of those coming up. We've I do a have a canning one coming up in, let's see, that would be next week or the week after when you guys are seeing yeah. this. But if you're talking master class, like a big full class, right? Um, which is what she's saying, I would, what I made immediately think of is, yes, you, she taught one last year and it's right. on the school. It's recorded there for you. Mm -hmm. And um, we can drop a link for that down below. Yeah. And you can go check that out because that and it's is always much, available. much more extensive class. It's always available um, in there for you when you're ready. And of course, there's live events. I can't think of whether we have another dairy teaching on the calendar or not this year. If you watch your emails from us, you'll know all of the live events that are coming up. We definitely let you know about them. And then uh, I do those live trainings, but we only do about once a month on those. Mm -hmm. And which means we're only doing, you know, the same subject. Like we're only doing dairy two or three times this year in a live training. However, the full dairy masterclass is always available on the website, homesteadingfamily.com. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Good. Good. Um, Barbara on one year review of the freeze dryer. I've seen on social media that the machine gives off an oil chemical smell and is noisy, so not recommended for use on your kitchen counter. Did you find that too? Notice some homesteader videos that they have their freeze dryer machines in an outbuilding. So somehow I filmed a little clip that actually filmed the full noise of the freeze dryer while working, and that clip did not make it into that video. I don't know. I just missed it somehow <laughs> once I went once the video was getting put together. Um, it is a little bit noisy. It also depends on the oil pump that you have. We have the premium oil pump, and that is much less noisy than the oilless. Can I make a pump. note? I believe they are actually <laughs> going to that pump for the standard. I think all of your machines now yeah. are getting that pump. So when you say premium, used to be an upgrade to that. That's such a good machine. I believe that they've gone they to- They just are making that or, standard. Are, are making that standard, which is great. There is the option though of an oilless pump. And I do hear that that is much louder. So mm. we have, we, yeah. don't, we don't have that and I don't have experience with it. So I don't know on that. I have not noticed a smell. I have also, a lot of people ask about the heat, if it heats up a space. Um, and for both of those questions, though, we have ours in a large space. 
And so if there was a very faint smell in that space, I'm probably not going to smell it. It might dissipate quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sensitive to that kind of smell, but I have not noticed it at all. And we have two freeze dryers running side by side right now this season. They're running constantly, mm -hmm. both of them. We have them completely full and they're running all, all the time um, with just a little rest in between for the defrost cycle. So I'm not noticing that. I also have not noticed heat um, coming off of it. But again, I don't think they're in a situation where we would particularly notice a small amount of heat. Now, I did have a friend who uses her freeze dryer make mention that hers is in a very little shed. And she feels like it heats that up a couple degrees. And so sometimes that bothers her if she's having to work out there very hmm. much. But, um, but yeah, that's... That is uh, keep talking, keep talking and <laughs> keep going. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he lost his screen. There we go. <laughs> so overall, though, it's been great. And I would it, it is. It's going to heat your house up way less than a canner. It is loud and I would not want it in my kitchen. It smell. I just don't. Know. Yeah, but it is. <laughs> I think it is doable. I, I've seen people doing it in their kitchen it's not in their kitchen yeah i'm not i, th I think it's it's great not to there's right. a lot of reasons not to right um and so you probably don't want it there in a permanent fixture but like some people get them out and mm -hmm. put them on the counter have them on a roll of things so they can bring them in because it's a space they have and use it for a season or a right. few days so you can mm -hmm. it's not going to drive you out of the kitchen completely to use no. it for a few days just all the things you're Pick saying not, not a great home for it like a dishwasher level sound that's what I would probably... Yeah, not, not the quietest dishwasher. Things. Not the quietest dishwasher. Not the really nice dishwashers that are super insulated yeah, your, your and quiet. Average. But your average family dishwasher, um, that's about the sound level. Yeah. But it runs for 48 hours, 36 hours straight. So, you know. Not necessarily the place you want that. Well, a couple more, and then okay. we're going to need to get going Wrapped here. Up. Sam Greenwald on how she makes all her dairy in two hours. Is raw skim milk safe to drink without being pasteurized? Oh, that's a long conversation and a lot of people stand in a lot of different places. But the thing to know is that as long as you have healthy animals, which, you know, the usually in the United States, we do tuberculosis is kind of the big caveat here um, in cows. They are usually tested, especially in raw milk dairies. They are almost always tested in the United States on an annual basis. As long as you have healthy cows then milk as it comes out of the cow is healthy. The question becomes, what is the handling like after that point? So there's a lot of variables. If you make a mess of it and you're not very clean, then, you know, and, and there's muck flying around, barnyard muck and stuff mm -hmm. like that, then, yeah, you're going to have some dangerous things end up in your milk and, you know, that's not a great situation. However, if you're working cleanly and you bring your milk in cleanly and you handle it properly, then you're going to have great healthy milk. So in our house, yes, skim milk that I think that's what he said. Skim, skim raw yeah. milk is safe to drink without pasteurized being pasteurized. So uh, again, it really matters that the cleanliness and the handling of it is really where that makes a big difference. Well, and there's, here's another way to look at it again, like I was saying earlier about the chickens, um, people for thousands of years have been drinking raw milk. That That's actually the human norm. Mm -hmm. Pasteurization is an industrial method. And, you know, in certain production means it has a purpose. Mm -hmm. But people have been consuming raw milk from all kinds of animals for 
uh, millennia. And people have also been getting sick from, you know, raw milk from animals for millennia because one person's got very clean practices and the next doesn't. So it's not can you or can't you. It's like, how, how are you controlling your environment, taking care of the animals, your cleanliness and your habits there that's going to make that difference. And, you know, it's really interesting is if you go back in history and you read about it, even long before ger germ theory, long before Louis Pasteur, long before they knew anything about what was causing the sicknesses, they knew very, very clearly that there was a connection between cleanliness and the safety of the milk. And so you go back and you read and they were sterilizing their milking equipment. They were scrubbing things down with, uh, with salt, like seriously scrubbing with salt to clean all their work surfaces. They were scalding and putting things out in the bright sunlight to get the UV. Like they didn't even know the science that we know behind it. But there has always been a known connection. They needed to be clean. They had to be clean. And it yeah. just, I mean, it's not hard to find that. You work in dirty conditions and people get sick. Like, you kind of figure that yeah, out yeah, pretty that, quickly that's, that's in human true experience. true in so many things. Right. And so it's, <laughs> it's really comes down to, you know, being clean and how we take care of things. Are we being good stewards and taking care of what we have well? Yeah. And, you know, being educated and informed and, and following those protocols. So. I had heard that in home economics classes back about, a hundred years ago at this point, the whole first class, uh, young women were taught how to properly clean counters because it was such a foundationally important skill to keeping people healthy. Yeah. And so it seemed like such a ridiculous thing and everybody would roll their eyes and groan, you know, but that's what they were taught at first. Yep. So maybe we should go back to that without bleach. Sounds good. That's a good, <laughs> probably a good traditional skill. Though we do have a lot better countertops, so we probably don't have to work quite as hard. I would imagine probably the surfaces not. they had were a little more porous and a little more, we've now got a lot of good stuff. But we're out of time. We gotta go. go. I've gotta go. Um, been great hanging with you guys, and we will definitely see you again soon. Yeah, take care. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.